So please welcome Pastor Fred. down and you go, oh, wow, that was a whole lot higher than I ever thought. And there's been a lot of that in your lives lately where you're going, Whoo-shoo! when am I going to hit the ground again? <laughs> and so, uh, again, this is for, for the rest of you as well, but, but the Lord specifically showed you, me, you too, in, in my dream. And so um, I just want to pray for the grace. The Lord says, you know, don't worry. Um, just, just let, just Lean into my grace. And if you need to, you know, as someone here is fond of saying, just say, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> right? And it's so true. Um, but just, he's going to navigate these waters for you. 
Okay, when you have these difficult times, and especially in the midst of growth, it's not like it's a bad thing either. I mean, this is the midst of growth. This is stepping into dreams, right? And sometimes, you know, the dream goes from steady, steady, steady to woo, look up. So there's grace for that. So we just uh, we just impart that in the name of Jesus. We just impart fresh vision and wisdom, and just know that you're right in the center of His will. Right now, in Jesus' name. Mm. Mm. Which is kind of appropriate uh, because of the fellow that we're talking about this morning. Um, it's Joseph. Yeah. I really like this artwork. Um, so, as I was praying earlier in the week, oftentimes, I mean, God's spoken to me in different ways when it comes to the word. You know, sometimes there's just something y'all are preaching. You know, I know Matt was preaching a good word last week, which I haven't even heard yet. So I'm excited on my way to work to to delve into that through this week. Um, but I heard it was just excellent. And, um, and I encourage you to do the same as well. You know, when you and realize uh, God calls us out, we have different family things. Life is busy. Right, but when you miss a week, I really encourage you to go back and listen to the stuff that you missed because oftentimes there's this there's this general theme, right? That uh, when you when you miss something, it's good to kind of get everything interwoven in there so that you you can know the heart of what Papa's doing in this place, and I, I think that's really important to do. And so oftentimes I listen to, to these guys as someone's preaching and go, oh hey, and off I go. Um, but this week, it was just, I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, what do you want to speak? And he just speaks, Joseph. I'm like, yeah. And I'm starting to, you know, say, well, you know, that's a, it's a very common story. I, I feel like I've, I've touched on that a lot in the past. He's like, Joseph. And, you know, again, these thoughts are going through my head in a fraction of a, uh, of a second. And, and I start to, again, argue. And he's like, Joseph! I'm like, okay, um, here we go. So, there's no way I can possibly unravel the fullness of, of this story because as I as I began to even just read the first uh, little snippet, you know, starting it in Genesis 37, um, it's like it just began to explode fresh and new. And so, I'm going to touch on some items this morning, and, and maybe that's that's all we're going to touch on. You know, as as I Sometimes you do this, you start getting into the word and God expands it with revelation and then you get into it again and, and he goes, whoosh, <laughs> and it expands and you go, oh, there's no way I can possibly cover all of this. So he's just pulled me back and said, well, cover what you can. But this picture, I just want to have, uh, make it an, an, an acknowledgement. Uh, it's called Joseph's Dream by... Uh, an artist illustrator by the name of Luis Burrito. Not Burrito. Burrito. And uh, I just really love this print. He's got other things you, you may find online. There's one of Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the big fish or something that's just... It's his interpretation of it. Um, but I love it, his artwork. I just found it yesterday as I was just looking for something. And uh, I thought this was really, really good. So, 
where we're going to camp for just a little bit. I don't know what a little bit is, but I know I have some things to share here. So I'm just going to start with the story. But I better put on my glasses. Or you're going to get my version. Which isn't bad, by the way, but... All right. So I want to preface, um, before I even jump in here. Um, So we're reading out of the Old Testament, right? And there's a degree to which we need to just take things at face value when we're reading the Old Testament. And then there's a degree to which we need to um, read it in the context of the entire word. Because both are valid, but but it's most valid when we see big picture. We, we see how everything fits. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, it, it's most of the Old Testament is post-fall. Right? Uh, and, and so there's this time period where uh, the grace is not readily available. The, the grace that we live in, we live in times of restoration. We live in the New Testament. The New Testament, it wasn't Old Testament, New Testament, and now. We live in the New Testament. We are living, working, moving, breathing out of the New Testament. It is unfolding in and through our lives. Right? And so that's the lens that we need to interpret scriptures. We've got to let scripture interpret scripture. And I'm not not going to get deep into that uh, today by any means. Uh, I'm just happy to be walking and and not... (laughs) I was so tired yesterday. Someone came and mowed my lawn. John Day, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> but we need to interpret that these are times of restoration. You know, Jesus came for the restoration of all things in him. You know, Apostle Tim was just talking about that just a little bit ago. We live in times of restoration. Historically speaking, from the time of Jesus until now, things have been getting better. It keeps on getting better. Yes, there are challenges, but things keep on getting better. And better and better. And when the challenges come, we roll up our sleeves. We go at it. And we just spread the kingdom. We insert Jesus. We pray. We do all that we know to do and then we stand. Right? And so this is the context in which we need to, to read as we're reading through the Old Testament. So Genesis chapter 37, just starting in verse 1. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generation of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers and so they hated him And could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, please listen to this dream I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in a field. And lo, my sheaf rose up 
and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. Then his brothers said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I've had still another dream and behold, the sun and moon and eleven stars are bowing down to me. He related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept saying, kept the saying in mind. Then his brothers went to pasture the fields, his father's flock, and sit Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to them, I will said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, Go now and see about the welfare. Of your brothers and the welfare of the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and came to Shechem. A man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, What are you looking for? He said, I am looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. Then the man said, They have moved from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Most of you, if not all of you, know the rest of this story, right? Um, It doesn't go well because of the family dysfunction. Joseph's brothers, jealous because of everything we just read about. They want to kill him first and foremost, but big brother, oldest brother, says, no, we can't do that. And But while big brother's back is turned, they say, well, if, if we can't kill him, we're going to at least profit from him. They throw him in a pit, and then when some uh, traders who were, were passing through, right, um, uh, come by, they say, hey, let's get some money out of this. And so they sell him for some money. And this is how he gets to Egypt. And God uses him there in dream interpretation for Pharaoh, which God then uses Pharaoh's trust in him through these dreams to become second in command, second only to Pharaoh himself, which then saves the entire Egyptian nation, but his own as well, right? It's an amazing story. It's a wonderful story. And there's so much we could glean from We often find fault with Joseph. Um, you know, because truly, um, you know, he's got these big dreams, right? And, and he says, hey, check this out. And we're like, oh, Joseph, you know, maybe you ought to just hold that in your heart. Maybe you should not speak everything that God's speaking to you. And there's wisdom in that, right? There's wisdom in saying, all right, Lord, I'll share this at the proper time. But Joseph was 17. He was the youngest of all of these, right? And what something that struck me, one thing that struck me as I was reading through this is 
Nowhere does it really say Joseph did wrong in sharing the dreams. Sometimes we can get a little upset with Joseph because he gets overzealous. And and we can blame him, but we forget what's going on. There's a lot of family dysfunction going on. That's just in the part that we read. Because even before that, Israel, uh, a.k.a. Jacob, a.k.a. the deceiver, right? He's, he's deceived and then he's, he's in turn, he reaps what he sows. And so there's a lot of family dysfunction going on there, right? And so we see all of this and we say, oh, it's just leading up to the perfect storm. You know, Joseph, he, yes, he shouldn't have done that. His brother shouldn't have done this, right? But think about it for a moment through a redemptive lens. What if Joseph's brothers, even though maybe Joseph's timing was off, what if Joseph's brothers were able to come alongside him and say, oh, little brother, that's pretty big. But we know you hear from God. Huh. I wonder what God's going to do in your life. You know, this seems way out, but yet, you know, huh. Let's, Let's pray about that, little brother. You know, we know God has big plans for you. What if they weren't insecure? What if they weren't dealing with orphanness? <laughs> Again, there's a lot of family dysfunction going on here. What if they were in a place where they were healed up, where they knew the love of the Father? Because they didn't. They felt second rate at best. Because Joseph was, hey, Joseph's, Joseph can do no wrong. Joseph walks on water. Right before Jesus even did. They're probably saying that. Joseph does this. Joseph does that. There was a lot of jealousy that it speaks of. But what if? What if his brothers were? What if? The word that comes forth from the beginning. Right? Through the redemptive grace. grace, Or or, or the fall does not happen. And And I think you're going like, well. Pastor Fred, you can't do that. Well, what if? Because that was God's intention from the beginning, right? We we fell, and so God had to make plan B, as Johnny says so affectionately. Or was it plan B? There was no plan B. But he brought Jesus back, and so there's this interim where what if grace were there? So roll with me for a minute. And if it doesn't make sense in the end, you can just say, Pastor Fred was really tired. (laughs) But I think this makes a lot of sense. What if his brothers did the very thing that we're aiming to do here? And that's as one person has a dream, we get under that dream and we push up. What would that have looked like? No... When we stop and think about it, big picture, his brothers, had they taken the time, had they been able to see through the lens that we now see, right? Through the grace of Jesus Christ. um, They would have seen God doing something amazing, but they also would have recognized God doing something amazing in themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Joseph was called to a specific mountain of government by today's vernacular, right? And so, yes, it's logical that because of what God had planned for him, and we see now in hindsight, 
that it's logical that they would go to him no matter how God got Joseph to that place that they would have to bow to him simply out of courtesy, out of protocol for going and seeing him in another nation. It had nothing to do with Joseph being better. Joseph was a son. They were sons. We're sons. We're daughters of the living God, right? But because of his function, because of his calling, because of the call of God on his life, one way or the another, they were going to be bowing down to him. But in the same way, the one who's head of the sheep, the one who knows the pasture lands the best, the one who's called to that mountain, right? The rest of the brothers were bowing to them as well. It's just not as formal. And yet, they picked up this offense. And they couldn't get under what Joseph was doing. I I do have notes. I have no clue where I'm at. We just bless you, Jesus. Joseph had dreams. And dreams were given to him by God. They weren't contrived by his own desires. Dreams that he should have been able to share with those closest to him. His brothers, his father. Right? So while we may be able to find fault with Joseph in sharing these things, does the greater fault lie with his father and brothers? We're called to get under one another's dreams. Let me throw out another what in. And I'm jumping a little bit. But what if they had been able to do that? You know, we know that one way or another, it seems like it was God's plan that Joseph go to Egypt and that, that Joseph um, become a type of Christ, a, you know, a savior in that situation for both nations. We know it was God's intention for um, his family to go to him there and for them to make it through the famine. I believe it was after two years they went to Joseph Right, um, because they were in need, so they had they had what they needed for a while. But the famine was so severe and so widespread that he brought his family in. You realize they were living in the land flowing with milk and honey. Do you, you ever? I mean, we read it, but. But do we understand that they they left the promised land to go for a time that God had ordained, right? They left the land flowing with milk and honey only to go, and long story short, they thrive, they prosper, they get enslaved only for God to lead them out back into the land of milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. And 
I have not worked out all the details, okay? I have not read through this as thoroughly as I would hope, okay? But I really believe that there's something here that just needs to come out for a minute. Um, The original mandate given by God was to, what is it? Fill the earth, subdue it, be fruitful and multiply, right? And so there's this sense, and again, Johnny and Amy, John and Amy do just a wonderful job speaking of the garden and God's intention, right? And they've laid this amazing foundation for us throughout the years, along with others that we've encountered. But it's this picture of they were meant to take the culture of the garden and expand it. It wasn't the culture of the garden then moves over here and then this just goes by the wayside. And then the culture of the garden comes over here and this goes by the wayside. It was an expansion whereby you go out, you take land, but you maintain, you you keep the land where you're at. And you let it continue to grow Things to, to multiply even more so that it expands more and it expands more and it expands more. What if it was God's intention from the beginning with healed hearts, with brothers who, who are willing to get under the dreams of, a, of another brother? A brother from another mother. <laughs> right on, I know. <laughs> yeah, come on. Which hence part of the jealousy and the family dysfunction. Right? What if... It was God's intention. While many of these things were supposed to happen and were God ordained, what if his goal and God's heart was just simply expansion? Because again, they leave the promised land. Yeah, we're going to go with fat and Goshen. And they do. They God prospers them. They thrive. They grow into such a multitude that, that Pharaoh's like, oh my gosh, this people. Oh, this people. They turned against me. I'm dead. Right? Mm. What if? Were they supposed to possess Canaan from the beginning? I mean, we, we know that God brings them back. We know that God orchestrates all this. But did it have to go through slavery? To the, to the point where even once they were delivered from slavery and, and they're delivered out of Egypt... An entire generation is lost in the desert until the slavery can get out of them. Is it possible that that perhaps it it was the only way that this redemptive story was from the beginning, that the slavery didn't begin in Goshen, that maybe the slavery actually began with the family dysfunction in the household where we start in chapter 37? And maybe it's something that perpetuated such to the point that God's only way left was to pull them out of this in this manner. Because it wasn't a cycle that just slavery started, that mindset started once they got to Egypt. I got a little thing. Yeah, look at that. It starts actually... Now I'm way off tracks. That's okay. You're good. It's in. God, bring it back if it needs to come back. <laughs> Here. It starts in Genesis chapter 11, right? So 
If you go to Genesis 11, 26, it says, Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, whom we now know as Abraham, right? Nahor and Haran. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, of his father, Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Terah took Abram, his son, Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and and his son Abram's... (laughs) his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went together from the land of Ur, from the Chaldeans, in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. So they started off for Canaan, but his father somehow got lost along the way in this place called Haran or Haran. Right about there. Okay, here's Ur. I'll duck down if you can't see. There's Ur and then there's Haran. Haran, again, it's the name of one of the sons. It's, it's Abram's brother. But somewhere, because he was lost, it would seem that Abram's father got lost in the grief and he planted, he stopped short of the promise. You see, grief short-circuits us. Grief, grief can sometimes short-circuit the promise as well. And that's where Abram's father got stuck. For whatever reason, but God said to Abram, I want you to go on, right? As we read through the rest of that. Because it says Terah, the days of uh, sorry, the days of Terah were two hundred and five years. Terah died in Haram. He never made it to Canaan. He died there. When we stop short of the dream, when we stop short of the promise, it brings about a culture of death. He lived a long time, but there was something in him that just dried up. That Abram said, ah. You know what? Probably if not for God's prompting, Abram would have died there as well. We've got to listen to the voice of the Lord, right? Because he can take us out of that culture of death and into something new. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. So you you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse And in you. All the families of the earth will be blessed. This was the promise. Abraham was possessing the promised land. Now it was Abram, right? And his family in this big, 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 big piece of land. You know, how do you possess that by yourself? Especially when you don't have any kids and your wife, well, she's barren. Okay, Lord, this has got to be you. He was in the middle of the promise. And yet there was barrenness. There wasn't a multiplication taking happen. There was no fruitfulness. God had promised it. But it just wasn't happening and it just seemed so big. And and so at one point God tells Abram, I want you to walk the length and and, and the breadth of this land. And eventually we know that they had children. But even then, it it was not enough to to fully possess that entire land, yet it was given to them and they were there. They were there before they were pulled out, before this thing happened with Joseph. They were in the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, again, I don't think it was a mistake. it, It does seem God ordained, right? 
that, that they would be taken off to Egypt. But what if somewhere along the way they had possessed that land? Because they, the, the original mandate never stopped. It's a hard place when we get to our promised land. Just because we get there, right, doesn't mean that the enemy can't take us out of it. In fact, he's going he's gonna to create famine so that we want to get out of that place. So that maybe we have to lay down the dream for a while even. Right? But we're called to go back to that place. This making sense? It's really good stuff. See in the story of Joseph a picture of what God is doing in this place. A redeemed version of what God's doing in this place. And granted, there uh, there's going to be times, just like with Joseph's family, where we either have been or we get dysfunctional. Right? It, it, it comes. Jealousy can set in anywhere you go. Right? Because you hear someone getting called out. Well, he called out Kevin and Marianne today. Well, he calls them out a lot. They must be special. They're Pastor Fred's favorite people. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. No, not at all. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, come on, you're my favorite, but you're all my favorite. The same, you know. Because I so want to see the fullness of everything God's got going on in Jerry's life. And I want to get out of that and I want to continue to push up. God's doing some amazing things, especially with your grandchildren, right? And he's just prospering you in ways that you didn't think he would prosper you in years past. And that's going to continue to multiply. That's going to continue to increase. You're going to find money coming from sources and places that you never knew it would come from. Because you're so faithful, and you say, all right, Lord, what's this for? A chunk of money comes your way. I don't, I know nothing about this, Jerry, okay? But I just see you in your secret place and you get this money that comes in unexpectedly. And where most people would be going, oh, thank you, Jesus. I can now do this. I can do this. Oh, I can relax and do this. You're going, Lord, what's this for? And, and he sees that faithfulness, right? I can get under that. That, that's that's wonderful. And God's going to continue to multiply that because of your faithfulness. And it ties in with the word that Johnny had, had given over this house several, several weeks ago, right? About the faithfulness being remembered. God's remembered that for you individually as well. So if you haven't already taken that word, you need to grab a hold of that. Your faithfulness has come before the Lord and that goes for every one of you. Nepha, your faithfulness has come before the Lord. I made the time while we were gone um, to to re-listen to that word. And uh, I like to, whenever I can, when God gives a prophetic word, to write it out. It's 
one thing when you hear it, and, and even to hear it again. It's another thing when you write it out and you, you read it with the eye or you make the time to go word upon word. And I uh, will probably end up just getting that out to all of you because it's a word you, you need to grab a hold of because you are a faithful people. And if you're listening, there's a pretty good chance that you're a faithful person as well. And God wants to bless you. God wants to take you into that promised land. But there's different ways of going about it. And what we see in the story of Joseph is is one way, which is dramatic and and profound. but, But there is another way. Which may be just as dramatic and just as profound, but we'll never know the side of heaven. No, we may never know, period. There's always what ifs. And you know, where God maybe intends us to go this way, and we go this way. But He redeems that and He weaves it all in, right? Just one other thing I think I want to pull out for this morning at least. And it's and it's this. <clears throat> what we see in the beginning of that story with Joseph is Joseph was supposed to be, in fact, he was going about his father's business. But it says he brought back a bad report, right? He brought back a bad report to, to Jacob. And I'm like Again, that resonated, and so I'm like, all right, what's up, what up, Holy Spirit? And he's like, well, he's supposed to be about his father's business, and he's focused on all the negative things of his brother. And it creates a stir. It creates even more bad blood. Again, there are times that we can be about our father's business, but if we're so focused on the negative aspects of what our brothers around us, brothers and sisters around us are doing, it can create more problems, even though we're, we are, Lord, I was, I was doing, I was where I was supposed to, I was doing the thing he called me to do. Yeah, but where was your focus? And then we find later on, when he should be about his father's business, his father had to tell him, go find your brothers. And he had no clue where they were. He lost track of being about his father's business. So yeah, Joseph had a lot of a lot of issue here as well, just like everyone. But we're in that that time period, right, where it, they're trying to work their way into heaven. It's it's that time period of fallenness. It's the time period of own wayness, right? And so they're trying to figure this out step by step, block upon block, and they're screwing it up. But we know that's going to happen. Because of the fall. And we know that apart from Jesus, it will continue to happen. Yes, we need to be about our Father's business. But as we're going about our Father's business, no matter our mountain, no matter the dream, no matter the call, right? our focus needs to be on God's redemptive grace and looking around at others and saying, what's going on with your dream? Where has God called you to? One of our great pleasures as we went out and we, we spent time with Hannah, aside from just being with Hannah, was we got a chance to meet many of her friends. And 
It's fun when you just go about giving testimony as well as receiving testimony. What's God doing in your life? What's he called you to do? And then getting under that and saying, what if? Or I hear God speaking this. And we had a chance to speak into a lot of young lives while we were out there. And it's just fun. And it blesses us as we go. It's not work, right? As opposed to, oh my gosh, why would you do that? You're a student. You're spending money on that? Why would you do that? Why would you why would you go with that guy in this situation? You know, it's not easy, but we're called to live from a place of restoration. And, and, and that means the restorative lens that we look at others with as well. And I think that's part of what God is driving at, if not the whole thing, right? Because we look at politics and we could go, mm, it's going to hell in a handbasket. And yet, Jesus, you know, it takes a grace. You ask Jennifer, she deals with it daily, right? When it comes to politics, to be able to look at the people around her through the lens of redemptive grace. (laughs) There's times, you may have heard, she wants to knock heads together, right? There's times I want to do the same thing in my profession, in my field, in my calling, right? And so on and so forth for every one of us. And yet there's a grace to not focus on all the negative, but, but to focus on who has God called you to be? And there are some people where we need to go, all right, Lord, you help me because I got nothing But they're a son of the living God. They're a daughter of the living God. And therefore, you got something here. What do you want to speak? What what do you want to do through me? As I'm going about my father's business. Just makes sense. Mm -hmm. Good. I think I'm going to leave it there. While it's still making sense. (laughs) We had the privilege of seeing the sunrise on the west coast. And because of the sunset. sunset? Yeah, the sunset. It did set. It set it over there. And then five hours later, because of the plane trip, it rose it over here. And, you know, seeing a sunset and a sun, sunrise within five hours of each other, coast to coast, that's an experience I've never had before. Um, it's made me a little punchy, to say the least. But uh, that's good. He's so faithful and he's doing some amazing things in us and through us. And so, so we were supposed to do communion last week. And uh, we, we asked Jennifer and Matt, hey, can you hold off just a week? Because we would love to be able to do it with you. Um, it's always a privilege to be with you. And, and again, you may think, well, Pastor Fred, you have to say that because you're the pastor. Well, no, I don't have to say it. I'm the pastor, because I because I believe that. Um, I love you all, and it's my privilege to be with you. It's my privilege to hear about what's going on in your lives. It's my privilege to come alongside, even when I don't have any answers. Just, just to be with you. 
There's a lot of times I don't have answers. But I know the one who does. And so do you. And I wanted to celebrate that with you uh, this morning. We wanted to celebrate that. It's always nice when there's as many of us here as possible to celebrate the time period in which we live. We live in the New Testament. We live covered by the blood of Jesus. It's an amazing thing. Come on. Not only the redemptive power. For too long, the church has stopped there and celebrated the redemptive power alone. And that is amazing. And it's enough to get us to heaven, right? But there is so much more. It's the redemptive power of the living God. But it's also the the dunamis, which was released through that, through that life. When we stop and remember him, we ought to be remembering not only Jesus, thank you for saving me because I was such a wretch and, and, and I was, and I, you know, we can all go into testimonies of how wretched we were before Jesus, or maybe even after through the redemptive process, how, how wretched we have been. But we need to stop and remember the other words of Jesus where he said, the things that I do, you will do also and greater still. If we believe one, we've got to believe the other. And so my prayer for you this morning, for us this morning, I've got to get a hold of this. Because I don't see myself walking in the fullness of it by any stretch of the imagination, but I so desire to. Part of us stepping into transformation where he allows me to, and that's a painful process, but you know, you, you do it. Because you want to be more like him. You want to walk in the fullness of all that he's called you to do and to be. And that's what we celebrate with this. Is Jesus not only crucified, but resurrected. It's the power from on high which comes as a result. So Jesus, we just pray for a new level of faith this morning. Even as we receive you. We want to receive more of you. We need the redemptive grace, then Father, pour that out. If we need the dunamis, Father, then, then, then just pour that out. If it's if it's the grace, Father, to walk, just simply to walk, then then pour that out. Whatever we need, we just pray that you would just take just levels of faith, belief, core belief, Father, that you would shift it this morning for each and every one of us.
We are transformed. We can be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Not just when he takes us up to heaven, but even now. We need it. And the world needs it. It's dependent upon it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body broken for us. Your blood, the blood of the new covenant, the covenant of restoration and redemption shed for us. We give you all glory and honor and praise and we do surrender all. And uh, we just receive that glory to glory moment this morning for each and every one in Jesus' name.